It's my great joy to be able to invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 76. Psalm 76. This is the official announcement that it's summer at Watkinsville. Uh, We know that we are currently registering for Vacation Bible School. You need to get that done today if you could serve or if you have children or people that you want to bring with you. Tomorrow we put our order in for food we will need, put our order in for shirts we will need. And so please register. Uh, We're back uh, in full-blown involvement with VBS here on our property the first full week of June over 300 kids already registered and so we want to get that done the other thing that lets us know that it's summer is our songs of summer series and for many years we have been working uh, chapter by chapter psalm by psalm uh, through the psalms and uh, today I I want you to take note of the tools that you have. There's a booklet that if you didn't get one on the way in, you're welcome to go grab one now or uh, get it on the way out. It has every psalm we'll be covering for the summer. It has a place for you to take some notes. It has some artwork there to just help us appreciate and enjoy uh, the songs of summer. Uh, We uh, are today in Psalm 76. We've done that each summer for a number of years. You would have to have been here on the first Sunday of June, 2007, to get Psalm 1, all right? And uh, maybe there's a few people. We haven't done the Psalms every single summer since then. I think we've missed four over the course of those years. Um, Early on, when we started in Psalm 1, I don't think I was totally committed to doing it every summer. And uh, so we did a little bit, dropped into something else a few summers and then back. But for the last eight, nine years, ten years or so, we've been taking the next Psalm. Uh, We uh, hope to go all the way through Psalm 85 this summer. If you're already doing your math... Just go ahead and mark your calendar for the first Sunday of August 2030. And we'll do Psalm 150 together. And if the rapture comes before then, I'm going to ask Jason Dominey if he'll preach on through uh, Psalms. And uh, let y'all finish up. Still a little meanness in me uh, after all these years. It's more important for me to be with you today than it is for you to hear from me today. You are ministering to my heart with your presence today. And I thank you for that. I've spent um, the last several days in North Alabama with my mom and sister and uh, caring for my dad. Um, And I am here today uh, under my mom's sway 
and she holds great sway in our family. And so I came back Thursday night to be with friends and be with family and to um, have the joy of baptizing Macy and to be able to preach um, because mom said to. And um, I know that my dad will be honored. It's a privilege to preach through these psalms. It's a privilege to be able to um, teach the psalms. Alexander Wyatt was a pastor in Scotland, born in 1836, died in 1921. And he was speaking in his latter years of life to a group of young ministers, and he said this to these young ministers. I, I wish I could... I wish I could hear him say it in his Scottish brogue, but his words were, Ah, I envy you young men with your ministry before you, and especially that you have ahead a lifetime of explaining the Psalms to your people. I think that he had captured in his days how treasured it is to be able to just walk through the Psalms, the the Psalms put voice to every emotion of our heart. No matter what you're going through, if it's times of celebration, if it's times of anticipating death, if it's times of walking through grief, if it's times of great joy and victory, if it's times of doubt, if it's times of confidence, if you are looking for a shepherd, you're looking for a rock, you're looking for a victory chant it's all here in psalms i love the songs because the writers are just so deeply honest today i want to speak to you from psalm 76 and just call the message guaranteed wisdom guaranteed wisdom is there any hunger in your heart to Take each day of life in wisdom, decisions that you make, uh, responsibilities that you hold, uh, days, weeks, hours, moment by moment, the desire to, to have wisdom in those things. Is there any prayer that we pray more than that brief prayer, Lord, give me wisdom, Lord, give me wisdom, Lord, right now, would you give me wisdom? And I believe we find in Psalm 76 guaranteed wisdom. How can I say that? Well, Proverbs 9 tells us that the uh, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When we live a life that fears God, it is the beginning of wisdom. That's where we start. That's where you're going to live. When your life is one of fearing God, you will have a life of wisdom. Psalm 76, the most important thing that we can learn from Psalm 76 is the most important thing that we can learn from any passage of Scripture. The most important thing that we can learn from any passage of Scripture is what it reveals to us about God. God's Word comes to us to reveal to us who He is, to make His glory known, to make him renowned. And, 
And when we come to this passage of Scripture, the number one thing we want to walk away from from this passage of Scripture is that we have seen God. We have learned something about God. We know something more about God. Now, the second most important thing for us would be to learn something about ourselves. And when we read through Psalm 76 in just a moment, so important for us to see God, but also important for us to see ourselves in light of God. And here's what I believe would be the third most important thing, and that is how we respond to what we learn about ourselves in light of what we learn about God. And so what that means is today... Uh, you don't need more information. We are saturated with Bible study. We, we need information, but beyond that, we need transformation. And that's where the work of the Spirit comes in. That's where I step out. That's where you step out. That's where we humble ourselves before the Lord and lay our hearts before the Lord. And we say, Lord, you have been gracious to teach us information about you. You have been merciful to teach us information about us. Now would you, by your power and might, transform us in light of who you are and make us, and make us what you want us to be. Spirit of God, do that today. In Psalm 76, we see a, a victory song. It is a victory song. It is a song that is tied, many believe, back to 2 Kings 17, 18, and 19. In 2 Kings, in those chapters, you have the story of the Assyrian army who comes against God's people. And the Assyrian army was a boastful, big, mighty army led by a leader named Sennacherib. And he was proud and the army was proud and they had the numbers and they had might and they had strength and they had victories in their vest and they were rolling. And they come and God's people never have to lift a sword. The angel of the Lord takes out 175,000 of those soldiers and wipes out Sennacherib and the battle is won. And Psalm 76, many believe, is the victory song tied to that, that victory, that battle. And it's interesting that the psalm is not about the battle the psalm is about the one who gave the victory. And that's important for us in every area of life. That when we win battles, when we win victories, that the star of the show is not me. And the star of the show is not you. And the star of the show is not our strategy or our method or our ability. The star of the show is God himself. Where he shows up and he does the work and he gives the victory. And what transpired out of that victory against the Assyrian army was the fact that God is worthy to be feared. Now, the Psalms reveal lots of things about God. This particular Psalm reveals one thing at least about God and that is we are to fear him. We 
are to fear him. The sustaining phrase in my heart over these last few days has been, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. There have been seasons of my life where the sustaining phrase was, the Lord is my shepherd. And for a number of years, the, the prayer that would lay me down to sleep, the prayer that would put me to sleep, was just the statement over and over and over again, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And in times of anxiety, in times of worry, in times of just difficulty, just again and again in those seasons, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. But in this season, in these days, it has been what a friend we have in Jesus. And I mention that in light of this chapter because what I'm reminded of is, yes, Jesus calls us friends. And yes, Jesus laid down his life for me uh, like no other friend would do. Uh, the, the Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, but in even identifying my God as my friend, Psalm 76 reminds me that I am still to fear my friend. And not a fear that has me cowarding in the corner, scared that he's going to zap me, but a fear that has me on my knees before him, worshiping him with my heart and my mind and my thoughts in reverential awe of his greatness, of his bigness, of his mightiness. Psalm 76, verse 1. In Judah... God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem. That's the old word for Jerusalem. His abode has been established in Salem. His dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains full of prey. The stout-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands. Verse 6, at your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. Verse 7, but you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Verse 10, surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. Make your vows to the Lord, your God, and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. Who cuts off, who cuts off the spirit of princes who is to be feared by the kings of the earth? Five reasons in those verses for us to fear God. For us to relate to him in this reverent awe. Number one, because of his renown. Because of his renown. This song starts with a celebration of how known God is. And it attaches it back to um, Judah, uh, to Israel, to Jerusalem, to Zion. And he, the, the celebration is God's glory, God's fame, 
God's name, his renown in Judah, verse 1, God is known. His name is great. His abode has been established. He has a dwelling place. And it is in this victory chant, a reminder, this victory song, a reminder that the whole purpose of the battle being won was for his name's sake. Listen, think about that in your life. Everything that you might identify as a battle, a battle with temptation, a battle in your health, a a battle against some besetting sin, wherever the fight rages with the enemy, remember that the end goal is for God to be known, for his fame to be great, for his name to be exalted. In our progress, in our prosperity, in all of our life, we don't preach ourselves. We don't build a name for ourselves. It is for us to build a name for Him. And this psalm begins there in how known God is and the purpose of God being known and the glory of Him being known and it causes me to think about how I act sometimes in the presence of fame. How I respond sometimes in the presence of someone who's very well known. Who's the most famous person you've ever met? It's just us here. We just folks. Talk to me. Right here in the middle. Who's the most famous person you've ever met? Mark Rick. Amen. Are you in the room, Mark? Let me see. I don't know if you can know. I'm just kidding. Jimmy Carter. Right up here, who's the most famous person you met? You just have to say his first name, don't you? I mean, we are in Georgia, Herschel, like Prince, and it's Herschel, Herschel Walker. Right here, most famous person you've ever met? Kenny Rogers, right up here. Rick Rick Flair, that's awesome. This morning at 9 o'clock, I pointed to this section. Who's the most famous person you've met? Just silence. You say a word. No, those always so like, those folks have got to get out more that sit right up there. <laughs> most famous person I've ever met? Muhammad Ali. Now, I don't know how that fits in this sermon. I just wanted to tell you that I, <laughs> that I met Muhammad Ali. I try to work that in every year. Just get it in there somewhere. Just a single-digit age kid. We'd go to Atlanta every year for a trade show. We stayed on the outskirts of town, but we'd go in at night to see where everybody else was staying. We walked through the Hyatt, the lobby of the Hyatt, and uh, over in the back corner on the way to the restroom, I looked, and Muhammad Ali was sitting right there with some very large men on each side of him. And I saw him, and I, and I told my friend, and I, we started whispering, that's, that's we're trying to say, Muhammad Ali. And we're saying it. And we go in the bathroom and we come back out. And when we like, we come back out and we're still looking. And we look and he's sitting there. And when he sees us, he gets up and he comes toward us. He comes toward me. And he started pointing and saying, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. I want to get that guy. And I'm just uh, scared. And, and just and these two huge men on each side of him grabbed him by the arms and start pulling him back 
and pulling him back, and it all unfolds. And he starts laughing, and I want to cry, and, and, <laughs> and he signs autographs, and we're just stunned by the presence of fame. But listen, wouldn't it be awesome if somehow, some way, we could get to that point where we say, He's the famous one. We fear God because of his renown. Number two, we fear God because of his majesty. We fear God because of his majesty. He he says in verse four, glorious are you more majestic than the mountains full of prey. Kind of crazy thing I do when people travel out west. I've been to Colorado. We went through the mountains of Wyoming. We were in Montana. Or we had a chance to go to the continent of Africa. And we were in the bush. I'm always thinking, I always want to know, did you see any wild animals? Do y'all ever ask that? I just, do you see anything in the wild? Yeah, we saw this mountain. I know you can go to a zoo. But there's just something about being in the wild. And there's just this animal. I've literally counted so many times living here in Oconee 20 years I just have this running list of every different kind of animal that I've seen in this county it's crazy I'm up to like 30 or 40 different kinds of animals I'm just fascinated by the majesty of, of those animals and, and here it's like the writer of Psalm is just reaching and grabbing to try to explain why we might fear God. And, and where he grabs this time is he says, glorious are you more majestic than the mountains full of prey. A few weeks ago, a friend in our church showed me his phone. He has trail cams, trail cameras, and it's just about two miles from right here out this road kind of towards your house, Neil. You'll be glad to know this. And on his trail camera, he says, look at this. And he turns it around, and it's a bobcat. And I'm thinking, Lord, we're about to have Bible school on this property. Hide the kids. we got bobcats in the woods out here. It's crazy. It's just fascinating to me. And the, the Psalms just wants us to see more majestic than the mountains full of prey. We we fear him because of his renown. We fear him because of his majesty. Number three, we fear him because of his might. He says in verse five, the stout hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands at your rebuke, O God of Jacob. Both rider and horse lay stunned. You, you can feel this, you know this, that the way that kings and armies and leaders of country show their power, demonstrate their power, is to bring out their weapons. 
They bring out their, in our day, they bring out their ships. They launch a few rockets. You know that rockets can hit targets. And so rockets that don't hit targets, you know why those rockets are being fired. They are being fired to make a statement. They are being fired to say to a watching world, we have strength, we have might, we have power. And in this day with perhaps Sennacherib's army, the riders on their horses, their shields, their spears, their swords, their strong men that were trained for battle, they say, compared to God, those stout warriors, they sink into sleep. The men of war, it's as if they're paralyzed. The rider and the horse, stunned in the face of the might of God. We fear God because of his might. Number four, we fear God because of his judgment. Verse seven, but you, you are to be feared who can stand before you when once your anger is roused from the heavens you utter judgment. The earth feared and was still when God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Why does God's judgment create fear in us? Why should it? Because he is the ultimate judge. You see, our, we don't decide what is right and wrong. Our culture doesn't decide what is right and wrong. Society doesn't decide what is right and wrong. Judgment is in God's hand. And perhaps as we work through this scripture, that the one thing most our nation needs maybe the thing you need most in your heart and life today is this fresh awareness that the world you're living for is not your judge that the desires even of your flesh and body not your judge that we need our lives to be brought into the accountability of the judge God himself from the heavens you uttered judgment the earth feared and was still have you ever used this statement have you used this statement um, in your judgment in your judgment what is the best or in your judgment who is the best in your judgment now if somebody came to me and they said in your judgment who makes the best cake in America? Nobody's calling for me to be on the HGTV, right? Nobody's calling for me to do a bake show. But if somebody said to you, tomorrow we've been able to work this out and Betty Crocker's going to be here, and we're going to ask Betty Crocker who makes the best cake in America you'd say no listen to that if somebody said Carlos we want to know in your judgment who's the best golfer ever say really Carlos we don't want to know who you think the best golfer is but if you said tomorrow Jack Nicholas is going to be here and we're going to ask him in his judgment who's the best golfer ever and why would we say 
Betty Crocker could give us the right judgment on a cake or, or Jack Nicholas could give us the right judgment on golf because when you look at Jack, you know that he basically defined golf. He has the victories to prove it. He has played the game and he did it with such excellence that he and it matters what his judgment is. Listen, there is no one righteous like our God. He has the victories to prove it. He has the track record to prove it. He is the definition of righteousness. He is the definition of what is right. He is the creator, the sustainer, the maker of it all. In the end, it's his judgment that matters above all. We fear him because he's the judge. We fear God because of his renown, because of his majesty, because of his might, because of his judgment, and number five, because of his salvation. Salvation is held in his hands. When God arose, verse 9, when God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth, God's the one that does the saving. It's not my, it's not my work. It's not your work. God saves. He alone saves. When the men brought the paralyzed man before Jesus and lowered him through the roof and Jesus spoke and said, your sins are forgiven, the crowd responded. The Pharisees in the crowd responded and says, no one can forgive sins like God. And God says, it is as you've spoken. You see, friends, only God can forgive your sin. Only God can save you. He alone can save. And that, that is a reason for us to live in fear of him. Not scared. Just in awe. That he can make us right. About two weeks ago, I was sitting with dad. And, and uh, just me and him and asking him questions. He could respond and. I said, Dad, is there anything you need to know? Anything you want to know? Anything at all you want to know? He's real slow speaking. He was real slow speaking before he got sick. He's just slow talking. He said the other day, everybody's asking questions all over the top of him, laying there in bed. And my dad goes, y'all got to not be in such a hurry. <laughs> it was awful. He goes, I, I said, anything you want to know? He goes, yes, I need guidance. I'm stunned by that. You're the one that I go to for guidance. He said, I need guidance. I said, Dad, about what? About what? He said, I don't know everything. Everything. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I said, well, <laughs> I said, give me a topic. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm just like, oh. Give me a topic. Like, are you talking about eternal things? I said, yeah, that, too. And I asked him, I said, Dad, do you know that Jesus Christ died for you? 
Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus died and he rose again and he did it to pay for your sins? Do you trust him completely? And whisper it. 100%. 100%. And I thought in that moment, how glorious that when he couldn't do anything, even if doing anything could do anything, his whole eternity was wrapped up in the fact that God alone saves. For by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourself, not by works, so that no man can boast. Why should you live in fear of God? Because of his renown, because of his majesty, because of his might, because of his judgment, and because of his salvation. How? How do we live in fear of God? At least four ways from this psalm. One is humility. He says, when God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth, we have to humble ourselves and acknowledge that God is worthy to be feared, that he alone will save. We need to get over ourselves. That's how we walk in fear of God. We're not the big deal. It's not our name. It's his name. It's his glory. We walk in fear of God with humility. We walk in fear of God with praise. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. Living a life that acknowledges the greatness of God. And number three, obedience. He says, make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. We, we honor God. We live in fear of God by simply obeying him. We demonstrate a lack of fear of God when we choose to obey self and others over obeying God and his word. And then number four and last, through gifts. He says, make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts. One of the ways that we honor and revere and worship God is to take our possessions and return them to him. When you look at this psalm, we don't need to come to this psalm and, and, and just get the kind of the, the, the trimmings of the psalm and miss the most important thing. Some of you love to go to the ballpark for just the food. That's not the main thing. The main thing at the ballpark is the game, it's the players, it's, it's what's going on in the field. Here we come to this psalm and if we come to this psalm and we don't see Jesus, it's just like getting the food but no game. It, we, we miss the main thing. And when I read these verses and he says, surely the wrath of man shall praise you. Verse 11, make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. When you put those things together of gifts being brought, of kings operating in fear. Cannot help but go quickly to the birth of Jesus Christ, where the King of Kings was born and the Lord of Lords was born, and the wise men came bringing gifts because King Herod said, What's going on? What's happening? 
Bow with me. As you bow before the Lord, I want to ask you to just search your heart and see. Are you walking in the fear of God? Humility, praise, obedience, the gifts that you bring. Lord Jesus, we worship you today as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And just, Lord, even the, the hint at your birth, those wise men sought you to bring their gifts. As the kings of the land round wondered what is happening. Lord, would you do a fresh work in our heart and life today? And give us a holy righteous fear of you. May your name be known through our life. Let us appreciate your majesty and might. Let us live knowing that you are the judge and thank you for your grace and mercy and salvation. I pray, Lord, today if there's anyone in this room that has never turned to you for forgiveness and grace and mercy. They'd call out to you to be saved. We exalt you. We praise you. In your name, King Jesus. Amen.